Yeah, man. Hey, what a what a great week we've had here at the Heights. Uh, Want to thank all those who helped us with our fall festival between the two campuses here in our Midlothian campus. We had about fifty five hundred people uh, that came was a part of our our trunk or treat. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Hope it was a, a, a blessing to you, our family, and uh, of course to our our community. But again, thank you for all of you who helped make that day happen. Hey, listen, a couple of things before we get going here this morning. Got a lot of exciting stuff happening. We have a senior adult weekend, November 16 and 17. And uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. I don't think we've done one like this before. But uh, the main reason I'm bringing that up now is Saturday, November 16th, we have a brunch that day. We've got a great crowd already signed up for it, I think close to 100 people. But uh, I mention that because today's the last day for signing up for registering for that. So something you've been thinking about or know that you want to be a part of, go ahead and get registered for that. You can find information in the bulletin or on your church app uh, about getting that done. Also, next Sunday, we have a Connect class. If you are brand new to our church and brand new as a guest, as, as somebody visiting, or brand new member, just joined in the last month or so, uh, this class is for you. I, I think I can say this. You'll know everything. That's a big word, isn't it? <laughs> you'll know everything about the heights with a really small investment of time. Next Sunday morning, we have this class. You, you meet a lot of our staff what we believe, where we're going, why. I think you find out where the restrooms are. I I mean, it's just all the information that you needed. If that's something you're interested in, looking for, again, get registered for that. The main reason we register for that is we do serve food uh, through the morning on that, and so we want to make sure that we we have plenty. So get get signed up for that. And then uh, this Wednesday night, we have our monthly time of prayer, churchwide uh, prayer. Our, our youth and children, uh, each in their areas, have that time. And then all the rest of us will be in here from 6.30 to 6.50, just 20 minutes. You'll be surprised how much prayer gets done, what all gets covered in that 20 minutes. But I think the most important part of that gathering and that prayer is that it just makes us faithful before the Lord, right? To be a church calling out to Him, confessing to Him, praising Him. And as we start this month of Thanksgiving, great way to be a church that is is giving Him thanks. So hope whatever you're doing, you can make your way here just for those 20 minutes this this Wednesday night. Hey, a couple of things also that we want to pray about here for a moment. Um, I, I think a number of us have been to Haiti. That's one of our partnerships uh, that we have here at the Heights. And uh, they are really going through a difficult time. As a matter of fact, we have canceled our last two trips to Haiti because of how dangerous it is to be there. Just the turmoil uh, that that country is going through. And it's just getting worse. As a matter of fact, in the last two months, not not the cost of living, the cost of surviving has quadrupled in just the last two months. And they couldn't afford it two months ago. And that has led to a very, very tense uh, and and really violent situation. And so the church there, and, and I know many of us don't know a church there, but there's a good number of us in this room that do. When we say Haiti, when we say the church there, names, faces, people we love, brothers and sisters in Christ do come to mind. That They have asked that we join them in prayer. They actually asked that we have a time of prayer and fasting, November 1 through 3. And we, we kind of tried to get that out as many ways as we could. But uh, certainly want to take a time now and just be praying with them and, and be praying for them.
them as they go through that. And then also, of course, right here in the Commonwealth, uh, this Tuesday is a pretty significant day for us, and we want to be in prayer for that. So if you would, let's start this morning, or at least my time this morning, uh, with this time of prayer, okay? Father, we come before you for the nation of Haiti. And God, we, we, we beg, we plead for peace. Lord, would you bring answers? Would you bring leaders that, that can find answers and can navigate a way through this? Lord, I, I pray that you would raise up people that, that will do what is right and do what is good. And Lord, you would protect that nation from, from the corruption, from the, the, the violence and just the various things that are going on there. Lord, that, it's been put out through that whole nation, a, a, a time to pray and fast And Lord, I I would ask that they could see answers very soon here, so much so that they they attribute it to this prayer. They attribute it to this time of praying and fasting. And and Lord, while I I certainly want to pray for every person in Haiti, their their peace, their protection, provision in their lives. Lord, I I want to pray for those believers, those brothers and sisters there in the church and uh God, be for them what they need in a special way so that the church in this time can be salt and light. So, so that the church can be a beacon of hope. I pray that, that this situation creates in them, creates a greater opportunity than ever before for sharing the gospel. And it will be a gospel of peace that brings peace to that land. Give them a care for one another, a love for one another. And uh, Lord, again, we just pray you'd watch over this nation and hear our prayers. Lord, we lift up to you our commonwealth. I pray that uh, everybody is faithful with this wonderful, precious freedom to be able to choose our leaders. And uh, Lord, I pray that believers in particular, as we, as we go into the polls, that we would be mindful of all the things that are important to us, things that we believe and want to see done, that we realize we represent you. When we cast that vote and I and I pray we go in there with that understanding and and with that mindset and I pray you'll raise up a a godly group of leaders that will that will bring justice will bring goodness to our land a justice and a goodness as defined by your word and Lord again there are there's a variety of issues that are going to be different levels of importance to each of us but but Lord I know I know there's a bill out there. That, that wants to, in my opinion, take our, our commonwealth way beyond abortion rights and, and really into the realm of infanticide. I, I know we have a governor that supports that, that wants to see that come to our commonwealth. Lord, I pray that we elect a leadership that, that would not allow that, that would not bring that. I, I know there's other important things, but I just, I can't imagine, Lord, what we could pray to you about, what, what we could ask your help on if this is what we bring and if this is what we approve. So I pray you would protect us from falling any further in this, Lord. And I pray, I pray Tuesday is a good day of peace, of freedom, and Lord, bringing a, a good body of leaders to our commonwealth. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for allowing that time, joining me uh, in that time of prayer. Well, as we've said the last couple Sundays, we've been leading up, building up to today. Today is the last Sunday, the last in our message on our 2019 year through the Bible. 42 messages. Can you believe that? 
Now, when you stop and do the math on that, clearly in 42 messages, and if, you, if you're new to our church, we've been following a curriculum that I've been using in here, our life groups have been using in their gathering, and it, it was 42. And you can't cover the whole Bible in 42 messages. That's, that's not even a message per book. There are 66 books in the Bible. So we know we're going we're gonna to skip over some big things. We're going to gloss over some big things. But I, but I think overall, the, the 42 messages did a good job. They got us to where we needed to go and gave us kind of that, that big picture. I, I think it's been great right up till today. Today, the wheels came off. I don't know what they were thinking. Covering the last three or four chapters of the Bible in one message is, is crazy. It's really, I'm not going to do it. I'm boycotting. We're going home. Thank you for being here. Get another extra hour of sleep. Now, no, I'm not, we're, not, I'm not, we're not going home. You're, sit tight for a little bit longer. But you, you, do you know what is covered in the last three or four chapters of the Bible? We're talking about the second coming. We're talking about the millennial reign of Christ. We're talking about the great white throne judgment, the new Jerusalem the new heaven and the new earth. If I was to do one message on each of those five topics, five messages, I would be glossing over it. To do all five in one message, that's just, that's just craziness. So I'm not going to do it. So then I'm stuck with, well, what am I going to do? Well, I decided to do what's next on the calendar. I, and when I look at Revelation 19 through 22, what's the next thing? And that, of course, would be Revelation 19, the second coming of the Lord, the most exciting thing in the Bible. You know, when, when we say the second coming, there's another phrase in the Bible that is synonymous with that. The day of the Lord. Does that ring a bell? Heard that day of the Lord, second coming, same event, they're synonymous, refer to the same thing. Another interesting thing about these two phrases is that while they refer to a day, they can also be kind of like what I call big umbrella words. They, they also encompass a number of things, even a, a period of time. You can say second coming and actually be referring to s- seven years of events that will be going on. Under that one title is encompassed the, the rapture. And by the way, there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming. All on a preposition. Prepositions are important. The rapture is Jesus coming for the saints. The second coming is Jesus coming with the saints, for with two distinct events. But but in that seven years, you've got the rapture, you've got the revelation of the Antichrist, you have all of these judgments that that fall on the earth, Uh, you you have the dealing with the, the Antichrist and Armageddon, and then of course, the second coming itself. All of that would fall under those one, that one term, day of the Lord or second coming. And of course, it also is a day. It also is a singular event, the glorious bodily returning of Jesus Christ to this earth. What a day that's going to be. We believe that, don't we? We believe that is going to be a great, great day in this earth and in humanity. It is the story of the Bible. Are you aware that 1,845 times in the Bible this event is referred to? Over 300 of those being in the New Testament. When you think of the Old Testament, you probably don't think that's about the second coming. And yet 17 of the 39 books in the Old Testament have as a major emphasis this event, this day. Seven out of every ten chapters 
in the New Testament references to, points to the second coming of the Lord. This is the biblical story. Do you realize when you open up Genesis chapter 1, you are on your way to Revelation 19. That's where the story is taking us. It's hard to get your mind around how big this is. Now, we also think the first coming's pretty big, don't we? Good hearty yes there. Okay, yeah, we believe that's, that's pretty big. But folks, do you realize the bigness of the first coming is dire- directly related to what's going to happen in the second coming? What, what I mean by that, and of course when we say the first coming, we're talking about 33 years of Jesus' life. We're, we're talking about you know Christmas to Easter and the ascension. But I, when, when we think of the first coming, can we boil it down to the whole things about one weekend? It's about the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if God comes to this earth as he's going to in the second coming, and there has not been a first coming, we're in trouble. Because it won't just be Satan that is defeated and destroyed. It will be you and it will be me. Folks, do you realize the reason Jesus came the first time is to rescue us, is to provide an escape for what is going to happen when he comes the second time. We talk about in church being saved. Saved. I've been saved. Saved from what? From what is going to happen when God returns to this earth. The first coming of Christ gives me a chance to be saved and rescued from what is going to happen when he comes the second time. Folks, man has ruined this earth. And I am not talking about climate change. That would be very, very small in light of the statement I just made. Mankind has ruined this earth. Satan has ruled over this earth. But Jesus Christ is coming back to restore, to reclaim his earth. Amen? That is our hope. And that is the day that we are living for. Daniel, the Old Testament prophet Daniel, described it like this. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, the Father, and was led into His presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus described his day like this, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Do you realize what that line just said to you and me? It's saying that we should live this moment like that could happen in the next moment. Folks, I don't mean to get into anybody's face, but I'm going to say it anyway. Almost nobody in this room lives like that. Almost nobody in this room, and I'm only saying almost because I don't want to say no one. Almost nobody in this room has lived a moment in light of Jesus coming in the next moment. We ignore our returning king and what he just said here. 
As the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be. I'm warning you. I'm telling you. It's going to happen that fast. You will not know it. You're not going to be prepared. It's coming at the time the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Man, I'll be honest with you. I read passages like that. They all give me a little bit of chill. They all all give me a little bit of goosebumps, but none. This is just an opinion. (laughs) None of them, though, like what Jesus allowed John to see and record for you and me in Revelation 19. Before we turn to that, before we read that, I want to put two reasons, not only two, There's more than this. I just want to keep in front of us two things, two reasons why what we're going to read in Revelation 19 is happening. Why is this happening? Why is it like that? Here's at least two reasons to ponder. One, the wickedness of man will be punished. You know, I I, uh, I really thought a lot about whether I put the word wicked. Because most of us can escape from that word. I didn't say it was right, but most of us will not put ourselves under the word wicked. I I know I'm not perfect. I know I've done some things wrong. I've done some things I'm embarrassed about, some ashamed of, some things I really don't want you to know I did. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not wicked. Right? That's for just like, I don't know what, a certain really bad, nasty, you know, I'm not, I'm not that. You are. You are wicked. I am wicked. What, what, what word would you use to describe you when you have spit in the face of God? His kindness, His love, His grace, and His goodness, and you spit on Him. You rebel against Him. You reject Him daily. You say, whoa, time, whoa what got up on your saddle? I, I haven't spit. What are you talking? I haven't done. Folks, every single time we sin. What, what is it you think a sin? The big ones, the little ones, the ones, the ones nobody saw, the ones that didn't hurt anybody. What do you think a sin is saying to God? It, sin's not against an arbitrary rule made up. The, the, the rules come out of the heart and character of God. When I mock the law, when I break the law, I'm mocking and breaking God's character. What else do you call that other than wickedness? And it is our wickedness that has created the environment and the world that we live in. Do you know why what is happening is happening in Haiti? Because of you. So I haven't even been to Haiti. But you pitched in. You pitched into a culture that lies. You've pitched into a culture that is greedy. You've pitched into a culture that is murderous. You've pitched into an environment of lust. You've pitched into a environment of, of impurity. You have pitched into bitterness and hate and anger. Who's the person that's never contributed to what has enveloped our planet? You absolutely have pitched in. And not once. More times than you're even aware. What in the world is the word that is appropriate for you? They did it more. I don't think that's the issue. Sure, somebody did it more. Does that mean now I'm good to go? 
You know, folks, think about it. The very evil that we create is then the evil we use to accuse God. Well, I don't know if I can believe in God. I mean, if he's real, if he's there, how does he let all this go on? I mean, he can't be good. He can't be all powerful because if he was good, if he had power, he would stop this. I mean, hey, let's be honest. Even as believers, don't we sometimes look at certain things in the world or certain things that happen to think, God, how? Why, why don't you do something about this? That is the question, isn't it? Why don't you do something about this? Folks, Revelation 19 is when God is going to do something about it. He will bring full, total justice, judgment to Satan, to evil, to sin, and to sinners. And he will miss nothing. Nothing will be missed. Nothing will go untouched. Nothing will go unjudged. It all will be dealt with. Second reason. One way or another, we're going to bow. Because that's the only right and appropriate thing to do before our creator and our God and our judge. One way or another, we will bow and we will acknowledge that he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You know, the crazy thing is, is he gives you and I an option. Hey, you can bow by faith and be rewarded or you can bow by force And be condemned. By faith. By faith. By faith. I can take God at his word. By faith that he reveals who God is. What God is like. What his law is. Where he's going. What he's doing. I can take that by faith. I can take by faith what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross. Do you know what Jesus did for you at the cross? He provided a hiding place for you when Revelation 19 happens. Listen, because we're forgiven, forgiven doesn't mean God looked at you and me and said, oh, it's it's no big deal. I know you did your best. I know I know you tried. Well, you're pretty good. Mostly that's not what forgiveness is. Every single one of your sins, every single one is judged. In all of God's justice, in all of God's wrath, all of God's wrath will pour out on your sin. Mine were attached to the cross because I took by faith what God said. I went to the cross and all my sins. See, the second coming is the second time God's wrath is poured out on sin. The first time is at the cross. Our safety in the return of the Lord is we have a place to go to that God's wrath has already been poured out. That justice has already been done against my sin. I take that by faith. I call him God by faith. I follow his word by faith. And do you know when you do that by faith, you get rewarded. Man, he adopts me as his own child. Not just a person who's been saved. I'm his child Forgiven of sins, eternal life, heaven as my future, as my home, as my hope. Or you can just do what's natural for all of us to do and just know that I know better. I know who God is. I'll decide who God is. I'll decide. This is the beauty of of how little we acknowledge God. I'll decide what he wants. I'll decide what God's good with. I'll decide how he wants to be worshipped. I'll decide what is right and what is wrong. I mean, do you realize in every one of our statements, we're declaring ourselves to be God. Because only a God can know everything I think I'm saying. And we will be forced to bow and acknowledge 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Which path are you on? A path to be forced or a path to be rewarded? It's not back and forth. One day I'm on this path. The other day I'm on that path. It's not kind of, sort of. It's not mostly. It's not I think. You are on one path or the other. Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, begs you to come to His grace. Begs you to come into faith. Let's look at Revelation 19. I want to do this today in honor of this great moment, in honor of this event, in honor of everything that we're looking forward to. Let's stand as we read Revelation 19. Folks, what I'm about to read to you, believe it or not, is the answer to every prayer you've ever uttered. Why do we pray? Because there's injustice. Why do we pray? Because something is wrong. Why do we pray? Because something is missing. Every prayer ultimately is answered in what I'm about to read. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. I hope you'll go back and pick up verses 1 through 10 on your own. They're pretty awesome. Beginning in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly. And he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. And his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh were written this title, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh. That's the banquet. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. And then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who'd accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. May be seated. Folks, a day is coming. It's actually going to happen. I know the time makes it seem more and more unreal. It's been 2,000 years now. But one day the sky will open. I have no idea what that looks like. I think if we try to imagine it, we fall way short. About the closest I can come to understanding that is I have stood on the Mount of Olives. I have been to Armageddon. I do know the valley. I do know the mount. I can kind of imagine that part. And boy, to be standing there and look up and see, okay, that's where the zipper opens. (laughs) That's where the sky opens up and one will come through. Our Savior and our King on a white horse. And the whole world will see it. 
You know, we have lived now for 2,000 years in a debate about whether Jesus Christ really rose from the dead or not. Sometimes even we believers have our days, right? I wonder if that really happened. And that is true. I do believe that, right? Did that really happen? And really the whole world, you know, we have all kinds of places. We say there's two kinds of people in the world. I don't know if that's true or not most of the time, but I know on this day there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, showing himself to be the very son of God, and those that have not accepted that truth. And here's where the debate ends. There's no, there's no more debate. There's no more I don't believe. Everybody sees. Think of the last time the world, and I'm saying symbolically, people, people of all nations, people of all kinds. Think of the last time the world saw Jesus. He was bloodied, beaten, bruised, dying, hanging on a cross. What a difference from the next time the whole world will have a chance to see him. He will come through that opening on a white horse. This is symbolic. This is a picture of a, of a returning king, of a conquering king. A king that has conquered the enemy. A king that has conquered the nation. Do you notice that's the first line? He's coming as a conquering king before the battle. It's already done. There's not a question here about what is to happen. He shows himself the victor before it has started. And look at these two words, folks. You you know, how many of us, boy, when I die, when I get to have, I've got this question for God. And most of our questions are about a pain, a hurt, a place where maybe we thought God unfair, a place where maybe he didn't show up. A place where maybe it just seems like he missed it. That he would have done this or he would have done that. Notice how we acknowledge him when we just glance at him. No questions have been asked. No answers have been given. But we look up and we say faithful and true. Faithful. He's a promise keeper. He is faithful to everything he said he was. Faithful to everything he said he would do. Everywhere he keeps his promises. No place he has missed it. No place he's been negligent no place has he done wrong he is true true that's so much more than oh and he tells the truth that word true points to righteousness he is true before god his father he is true before you and me there will be no accusation made against him not even out of curiosity hey where were you there folks there i there is something about this moment when we see him there are no more questions There's no more accusations. We realize he is to be worshipped. He is faithful and true. Eyes like flames of fire. I'm going to keep saying this. Every sin is judged. His eyes point. This is point in flames in the eyes. He sees every single sin. The little one. But the one that didn't even bother anybody, the one that didn't even hurt anybody, the one you don't even count as a sin anymore. He sees every single sin. No sin goes undealt with. I wonder how many in here are hurting today because you look at someone, you look at an event and you think they got away with it. Revelation 19 is Jesus promising you nobody gets away with it. No sin goes undealt with 
He sees. He deals with everyone. On his head, on his head were many crowns. We don't wear crowns in America. Doesn't mean as much to us. But a crown is a right to rule. It's, it says, I'm royalty here. I, I have this right. You, you bow. But it's not just a crown. It's not just a really cool crown. It's many crowns. Do you know why? Because he has the right to rule in every arena. He has the right to rule in every dominion. There's not a place in the universe. There's not a place on this earth. There's nowhere anywhere where he does not wear the crown. There's nowhere anywhere where he does not have the right to rule. He is the ruler of all rulers. The king of all kings. The lord of all lords. The boss of all bosses. The governor of all governors. He is it. He wears many crowns. And you know, this next line doesn't jump out as quite the same way. As a matter of fact, maybe it even causes a little confusion. He's got a name that nobody knows. Oh, folks, you're, you're looking at the absolute, absolute beauty and amazingness of our God here. It's pointing to his infinite, eternal nature. You know, we get to know many things about God primarily because of his word, Right? He has revealed himself. I can learn about him. I can, I can know him. But one day, I, I, I'll get to go beyond the Bible. And, and I'll be in heaven. And I'll get to like watch him with my eyes. Observe how he does things. And I'll get to walk with him and talk with him. And, and when I've had an eternity of studying him in that way, do you know I won't know everything? I'll start working on the second eternity to know everything. When I get to the end of the second eternity, guess what? I don't know everything. This diamond has too many facets. The, 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 the perfection, the perfection of everything about him, it just keeps going. There's so much to know, so much to love, so much to worship. It never ends. You'll never know everything there is to know about our king. He wore a robe dipped in blood. This prefigures the bloody judgment, not just of Revelation 19. Folks, we're, Revelation 19 is the exclamation point. To the wrath of God. It's been going on since chapter 6. And the, the, the planet. Because we can't bury. We can't keep up. With billions of deaths. That will happen this fast. It is a bloody judgment. Why? That's gross. Because blood atones for sin. What was the cross? Bloody. It's blood that atones for sin. And his title is. The word of of God. You know, when you and I say the Word of God, we just think we're talking about a book, right? The Word of God. Open up your Word of God today, the Bible. Well, this is the Word of God. The Bible talks about two kinds of words of God the written Word, we call it the Bible, and the living Word, Jesus Christ. The word word in the Greek there is the word logos. Logos means content, it means facts. It means truth. So what is the title of Jesus? He is the content of God. He is the truth of God. Jesus is the perfect presentation of the heart of God, of the mind of God, of the character of God. He is the perfect presentation of everything, all content that is about God. Jesus is that. He is the word of God. Verse 14. Now it starts. we start having fun. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen. So this hole opens up. 
Jesus comes forth on the white horse. A multitude of angels come pouring through this hole. And then there's this group on a white horse. You know, as we look through scriptures, there's only one group that is wearing pure white linen. The church. Folks, this is you and me. Talk about a seat for this day. <laughs> Talk about, hey, where, how will I be looking at this? On a horse, right behind Jesus. And you want to know something? There we are, army of God coming to this great battle. I'll get to this in just a second. You and I, we're just there for decoration. Your, your linens aren't going to get messed up. They're going to be white at the end of the battle. We are there for decoration. I'm going to say this several times because there is no great battle. You know, when you just say the word Armageddon, you can go out there to somebody that doesn't know anything about the Bible, about Jesus, and say Armageddon, and they probably know you're talking about some kind of cataclysmic, end-of-the-world battle. And there's no great battle. Let's understand why that is. Verse 15, from his mouth came a sharp sword. Folks, there's no power that's going to rise up and provide a fight for God. He's going to speak. And it's done. I understand Hollywood has kind of given us a formula. We need our hero to kind of take it on the chin for 14 rounds. We need to believe that our hero's not going to be able to get up. He's been knocked down one too many times. But then what does he do? He gets up and he wins the day. Yay! We spill our popcorn everywhere. That can't happen here. There's no power that can do anything before all power. There is no strategy against all wisdom. Jesus doesn't even flex. He speaks. He spoke the world into existence and he will speak evil out. He just speaks. There is no great battle. He will rule with an iron rod. This pictures his rule. From here on out will be uncontested. That's what the iron rod, the iron scepter meant. This is an uncontested rule. Because God has allowed, don't ask me why. God has allowed for the course of humanity for you and I to contest his rule. That's what we do with every sin, right? Hey, I know in your rule you said not to lie, but I know better what to do right here. I know you said this is what love is, but Lord, we've kind of evolved now. We know bit better what love is and how this should look and what should happen. And, and so we contest and we reject and we mock. We contest, we reject and we mock and we present our own wise way because we can actually determine what love is and we can define what justice is and God needs to come answer for the injustice that's been done. He, he, needs, he, he owes me. And do you hear the craziness of the thinking of humanity? And there's none of us that hasn't chipped into that. But he will rule with an iron. You know, it's funny. When it says with an iron scepter, don't you almost like picture a ruler that's got everybody under his thumb? I mean, it's his way or the highway. He rules. End of the discussion. But yet, what is his rule? His rule, his iron scepter is love and justice and kindness and goodness and purity, and beauty. Yeah, Lord, you can hold me under those words. I'm sorry I ever fought those words. I want that iron scepter over my life. How about you? On, on his... Uh, says he will, he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. You know, we don't normally use the word fierce and Jesus together, do we? 
That's not the words we think of when Jesus. Love, grace, but not fierce, not wrath. And yet, folks, it's, it's perfectly applied to Jesus. As a matter of fact, here's maybe a new way to think of this. Jesus, in the perfection of his love, shows grace. And Jesus, in the perfection of his love, shows wrath. He can do both at the exact same time perfectly. I think for you and I, that's almost impossible to understand. Because you and I have anger. You and I have wrath. Maybe even a righteous anger. A righteous ath. But usually our next step is a mess, isn't it? When I'm acting in wrath, usually the next word out of my mouth, the next step I take, more often than not, makes things worse than they were before. When Jesus brings wrath, he doesn't make things worse than it was before. This isn't about getting even. It's about doing justice. In the perfection of love, he can show grace and wrath at the exact same time. Boy, aren't you glad to know he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Aren't you glad to know this is the ruler, the authority above all? Verse 17, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, pointing to the, it's, it's, this is the brilliance of God's glory. You can't even look at the sun. You look, ow, it hurt. <laughs> Man, you, that's about what it's like looking at the brilliance of God's glory. And we have this angel that's, that's inviting the birds of the heaven, that is inviting these, these vultures to come to a, a banquet, to a feast. And that feast is all unbelievers that have died not just on this day, but in the last seven years. We started burying people on day one, but it didn't take long. I mean, when you have 1.25 billion people, if it were to happen Today, if this seven years was to start today, when you have 1.25 billion people die in a single event, guess what? We can't bury everybody. We can't deal with all of it. The cleanup starts here with, with the vultures, with, with the birds of the heaven coming to eat. All unbelievers. There's all these military terms, but then there's that phrase, and all of humanity, great and small. And then we are shown real quickly the, the beast. We're going to learn about this a little bit more also with their, their future in, in chapter 20 and chapter 21. But we see the beast and the false prophet dealt with. Again, we keep thinking this is Armageddon. This, this is the big battle. This is the big moment we've been leading to. And they're in the lake of fire. One sentence. Not a big battle. Nothing to describe. Look at all the things that have been described. Do you know what's not described at all here? The battle. There's nothing to describe. I just spoke and it's done. They're in the lake of fire. And they will be joined by others at the great white throne judgment. Again, that's coming in these chapters ahead. The entire army, again, the sharp sword out of the mouth. Just simply the power of God's voice. I'll say it again. He spoke creation into existence and he will speak evil out. Folks, this is our great hope. I pray for good reports. We pray for Haiti. We pray for a better job. We pray for healing. We, we pray this problem will get resolved. We pray these two people will get along. Keep praying. Pray about every one of those things. But understand, with everything that begins with dear Lord and ends with amen, ultimately, here's the answer. As until this day comes, we'll keep having prayers. But this day, I know it's been 2,000 years, but this day comes. 
Five things we need to leave Revelation 19 with. I'm not saying only five things. I'm not even saying these are the five most important things. It's just five things because we got to wrap up and go home. Five things to leave Revelation 19 with. Number one, the second coming is a glorious event that the whole world, believers and unbelievers, will see. It is visible, physical, the bodily return of Christ. No one misses it. Number two, there is no threat to the reign of Christ. That's where we have a good hallelujah and amen. There is no threat to the reign of Christ. Not yesterday, not today, and the whole world will finally realize it in Revelation 19. There is no threat to the reign of Christ. Number three, there is an end to evil. The evil you felt this week. The evil that hurt you this week. The evil that you observed this week. The evil you did this week. It ends. God doesn't. Which one are you putting yourself with? Which one are you living like? One ends, one doesn't. Number four, amen, God fulfills his promises. God keeps his promises. Number five, the only way to escape the judgment of the second coming is to come to the Christ of the first coming and place our faith in his work for us on the cross. Do you realize the entire story begs the question, have you done that? Have you done that? Have you turned from sin? Have you turned from yourself? Have you turned from your own goodness? Your own wisdom, have you turned and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Placed your faith in the one place your sins have not been overlooked. Your sins have already been judged and justice has been done. Have you hid under the cross? Man, if you don't know what that means, Jesus says today is the day of salvation because you don't know when that day is coming. Today, today is the day. Folks, in just a second, we're going to walk out these doors and back toward the window. There's a, in, right in the center, there's a desk and there's some folks waiting there to have a conversation with you. Let today be your day. Have the faith. Have the courage. Let it be now. Let it be now. Today is your day. You do not know what tomorrow affords you. Jesus said, like lightning, like lightning, it comes. Man, if you've got questions, want to be certain, let today. Listen, people go out there every single week. I understand you might feel a little awkward, might feel a little weird, might feel a little scary, but people go out there every single week. Maybe you've got questions about being baptized or joining the church. I don't know, folks. I think when he comes back, you want to have done what he said to do, and you want to be found hanging out with who he said to hang out with. Who gets raptured? You know, it never calls out our names. You know what it says gets raptured? The church. It's the church. And that's capital C church. The moment you become a believer, you're a member of the church. How do we live out that membership in a local church? How do we show our engagement with the whole body of Christ by a local body of Christ? When he returns, be where he is said to be. Do what he said to have done. If you've got questions today about being baptized, joining the church, becoming a part of Christ, let today be the day that is resolved. Is this story just for people that need to make those decisions? Man, absolutely not, folks. Because most of us in here have been baptized, haven't we? Most of us in here are a member of a church, probably this one. 
Are we living like Christ is returning? I wonder if the thing that's got us so mad and churned up right now, if I knew Christ was returning tonight, I wonder if I would care one thing about that. I, I, I wonder if I knew Christ was returning next Sunday night, I wonder is there anybody I would desperately with all my heart want here with me next Sunday? I wonder if we, any of us have got anybody in our life. If I knew Christ was returning this week, I would, I would do everything I could to get the gospel to that person. But folks, we're not doing any of those things. Not at all. Do you know why? Because we don't live like he's returning. We live like an unbeliever in that area. I mean, technically, you could say any sin I commit, I did because I wasn't living like he could be returning in the next moment. That, that statistic a moment ago, seven out of every ten chapters in the New Testament, do you know why it shows up over and over and over? It's trying to convince you and me that he's coming back. We really need to live like it today. The decision in the Bible is never for tomorrow. It's always for today. The most real thing happening in your life, the biggest reality in your life is the return of Jesus Christ. And it will be awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us insight, for showing us where this is, this is all going. Because we do get down. We do get discouraged. We do think evil is winning the day. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Revelation 19. Lord, thank you. I can know these things, not because I'm so good, not because I'm so smart, but because you're so kind and you reveal and you show us, God, may I not look at what you've revealed and walk away doing nothing. Oh, Lord, I can't imagine there's a person in this room, a person watching online right now who does not have something that needs to stop, that needs to start, that needs to change if I was actually living like you could return in the next moment. Oh, my King and my Savior. I thank you. I praise you that you can and you will return. Hallelujah. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen.